In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. There you have it, folks. Journey, an outstanding band of the 80s. No one would dispute that. And Steve Perry. Steve Steve Perry, Perry. one of the greats. Hits the high notes like no one else. He never stopped believing. We're not going to stop believing. And you out there should not stop believing. Even though this is a best of, we'll be back in a week, won't we, my friend? We are so excited to be back in a week. But we uh, right now are working on our uh, CRN show on upcoming podcasts. So this week, it has to be a best of episode while we uh, work all this out. And we will. We'll, we'll move from chimpanzee to orangutan to gorilla. To shark, to lobster, to other crustacean. Correct. Marijuana-infused crustaceans. But while we're working on that, the rest of you should listen to this best of. And we will see you again in one more week on IP frequently. Well, we won't see them because we're not going to be in the same room with them, thank God, because we'd need like a restraining order. Yeah, and it's more of a euphemism. Yeah. Is that what that is? I don't know. Anyway, see you in a couple of weeks, folks. With me, as always, is my close friend and confidant, one David Michael Pridham. And we're ready to roll, buddy. That's right, Brett. Do you want to go ahead and launch out and talk about our uh, social media presence or should I do that? Yeah, you should absolutely do that because I will screw that up. Uh, You can learn more about our program on our website, IPFrequently.com. Go follow us on the InstaFace at IP underscore Frequently. And again, don't forget to catch our show here each and every week. We mean business, Brad, and we're not fooling around, but we are are right now taking names uh, of our uh, people that are on the enemies list, right? The enemies list. And we're going to call them out. That's that's I think we've just decided that. And listen, we encourage you at home to take down these names as well. And, uh, you know, we'll proceed accordingly. Wow. OK, well, that's a uh, that's an aggressive step in a certain direction. But I, I'm, I'm right behind you, buddy. Listen, Nixon had a list. Paul McCartney had a list in the 50s, Brad. Paul McCartney. Um, so I think we're in I think we're in good um, company there, but you can learn more about our program on our website, IPFrequently.com. Please go and follow us on the InstaFace at IP underscore frequently. And we are here each week. David Pritt and Brad Sheaf, we mean business. We're not fooling around. We are. No, because neither one of our wives would allow that. No, that's right. We're kicking ass and taking names uh, on the CRN uh, radio network each Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Next, Brad, we are monitoring things going around uh, on around the globe. Very, very difficult circumstances. Again, we've talked about this before, talked about it last week. Um, American Airlines uh, pilots, pilots of American Airlines have had many harrowing UFO encounters over the past several years. And you and I have talked about this before, and we're on record as saying we're concerned about it. Uh, We don't know what these UFOs are, but now there is a new report of a COVID 
um, interaction, an interaction during COVID. Uh, it was a flight between Cincinnati and Phoenix, February 21st, Brad, 2021 has now come to light where the uh, FBI uh, has confirmed reports that American Airlines flight 2292 encountered uh, a very uh, unusual, quote unquote, target in the air. It looked like a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing, but it was moving very fast over and above and below this uh, American Airlines jet, which I believe was an Airbus. Um, so now we're back on high alert uh, for the UFO sightings and, uh, uh, you know, obviously a big, uh, a big problem. Well, I mean, you and I are never not on high alert when it comes to UFOs. I mean, here in the studio, we have a whole section set aside. Again, if you'd like to be in the studio audience, let us know. But they can see our UFO monitoring stations that are manned 24-7, 365. We don't miss a trick when it comes to UFOs. And But I, I, you know, I think it's not a coincidence that if you go back and trace the Omicron variant, it was heavy in Cincinnati and then suddenly appeared in Phoenix. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think what you see here and what, you know, many of us have known all along and many people have suspected is that the COVID is being carried around by aliens. And that's why you had to have that extra shot, right? That's why they told us, hey, if you get two, two shots, yeah, then you're fine. But the extra booster kind of helps prevent the aliens from being able to spot you as a potential target of COVID. And that's also the reason for the masks, right? Because then it, it kind of, you know, aliens have a hard time telling humans apart anyway. To them, we all look alike. And so if we put on these masks, then they have a hard time knowing who they've infected with Omicron and who they haven't and who's, you know, likely to be susceptible to a new variant and who isn't. And so, you know, thank goodness this is all coming together for us. The need for a booster, the need for masks, long cylindrical objects on their way from Cincinnati to Phoenix. We've yep. got all that covered for you here on IP Frequently. So again, Brad, this is this is high level scientific speak for us. It's something that people need to know about as they plan their business week. So uh, we're going to move on from COVID corner and we are going to talk about something that's near and dear to your heart and certainly something that's been spurred by uh, a couple of family members who are fascinated with the end times. They believe we are at the end times now. Mm. Uh, they have interpreted the Bible in such a way that permits it. And there are things going on in this world that they point to that they say evidence clearly that we are at end times. Mm hmm. And uh, what would those things be, buddy? This week, Brad, on End Times Report, dust <laughs> from the Sahara Desert has dumped uh, a bunch of orange residue on the country of Spain, and it has colored the sky orange. It has colored the complete sky over Spain orange. In addition to that, hundreds of palm-sized Joro spiders that are the size of a child's hand, not a big child, but a medium sized child. Mm -hmm. um, they can they can apparently fly hundreds of miles. Um, they turn their webs into parachutes. And the understanding by the experts, by the experts have weighed in and they say that they will be colonizing the entire East Coast of the United States this spring. Uh, so Joro spiders, these are deadly spiders. They can fly 100 miles plus. They turn their webs into parachutes. They go with the wind. Um, they uh, apparently are going to be colonizing the east 
coast. And again, the uh, of course, the uh, uh, the big end times. These are two of the data points that are pointed to by uh, people like my mother-in-law who believe that we're at end times. Brad, how do you explain the dust from the Sahara Desert being dumped just on Spain? And uh, what do you make of these Joro spiders? Will they colonize? Will they not? And if they do, will they form a homeowners association? Well, one would hope that they would. Right. I mean, if you're going to colonize and you don't want to fall prey to the classic broken window syndrome where, you know, you allow one window to be broken, then the next guy kind of allows his and you got doors hanging off hinges. You need a homeowners association. And, you know, I, I don't know why we have to just judge the spiders. I mean, many people enjoy the East Coast of the United States. I myself do not. But many people do. You can tell by the population density there. If you're a spider, if you can fly, if you've got your parachute web and you're just sort of looking at your wife and kids and saying, hey, where should we relocate? Mm -hmm. You do a little Google search. The East Coast of the United States seems to be nice. Um, Why wouldn't you? I mean, again, I, I, I personally do not see these things as signs of the end times. But again, I may be interpreting scripture a little differently. Yeah, uh, Brad, I don't know. I don't purport to be an end times expert, um, but uh, it it does seem somewhat troubling, certainly for the people of Spain. I would recommend you get a dust buster and a bunch of Windex. It's going to wreak havoc on your windows. Um, And as to these Joro spiders, of course, um, you know, when they when they start parachuting into the East Coast, I would highly recommend uh, somewhere on the coast. uh, Great views, good water. uh, views. You can see all the boats that, that go out in the summertime, but then the wintertime, you got to get out of there. I, I would highly, unless you're, unless you're in Florida, I would highly recommend migrating to Mexico. And uh, in that case, uh, all would be, uh, all would be well. Next, Brad, the uh, segment of the week where we try to talk about uh, some of the uh, terror that's been going on in this country across the board when it comes to different types of animals. Tragedy strikes yet again. In the uh, volunteer state, the state of Tennessee, home of uh, Peyton Manning's college career, um, uh, the two gentlemen, Bobby Matheny and Tommy Gunn, um, died this past week when they were. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's were, a very emotional moment. Yeah, we have a gun and a Matheny dead. Yeah, when, when they were when they were cornered and attacked by a frenzied camel, Brad, a frenzied camel in Obion, Tennessee. When the uh, the sheriff's deputies arrived, they found two men dead and the uh, unhinged camel on the loose. They did ultimately several hours later find said camel and put it down, shot it in the head. You've got the monkey escaping from the uh, quarantine truck. Do, do you see all these as linked? Yes, they've had it. The animals have had it. I mean, first of all, if you go to Obion and you're not keeping your head on a swivel for camels, you're an idiot, right? I mean, this is not the first time two people have been killed in Obion, Tennessee by a camel. Pay attention. But the animals have clearly had it. Brad, in uh, Minnesota recently, a gentleman was arrested after killing his um, roommates for emotional support ferrets, okay? And, uh, And when he was asked by the police about it, he said the reason he killed them is they smelled like poop, but not that word. Um, Levi Arneberg, who I believe is one of the people at the um, has been down at the QAnon um, uh, 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 rallies. I guess you can call them rallies uh, down at uh, um, 
Dealey Plaza has been accused of fatally shooting these ferrets. Again, they're emotional support ferrets with a BB gun. He dumped the remains in an alley outside of his Duluth, Minnesota apartment. Um, and I guess there were other disputes. I mean, you know, as you know, Brad, ferrets are gorgeous, just gorgeous creatures. Yeah, very svelte. When uh, confronted by the police, Annenberg, Arnenberg admitted to killing the ferrets and told the police uh, that one of the ferrets was, quote, laughing at him before he shot it in the head. Um, he said, quote, dude, I killed the ferrets. Give me a break. They smelled like poop, according to court documents. So there it is, Brad. I mean, I guess, you know, one of the questions is how much can a man be expected to take when you exactly. look at the tale of Levi Arnberg? Exactly. Ferrets are crafty. They are fleet of foot. And this guy not only shot one but four and one while that ferret was laughing at him, which is gonna, you know, you gotta make adjustments to your side picture if you're gonna hit a laughing ferret. So I think that, you know, while Levi has probably got a little bit of debt to society to pay there, I think it's probably, you know, something he will be happy to do, being able for the rest of his life to say, hey, I shot four ferrets. I shot the ferret. But I didn't shoot the deputy. Well, there you go, buddy. That's that's well done. That's Bob Marley-esque. Uh, next, Brad, we've had such great reception for our Unsolved Mystery segment that we're going to go right into it. This is where you, if you are running, Brad, if you are running an Italian uh, restaurant in Stockton, California, you cannot afford not to be advertising on our program during this segment. This is where we are with Unsolved Mysteries. Two weeks ago, we solved the JFK thing. Although I will say I didn't make it to Dealey Plaza because of a weather problem. I'll be there next week. We'll get the pictures uploaded. Last week, we solved the Carly Simon problem. This week, Brad, uh, Adolf Hitler, did he die in the bunker or did he not die in the bunker? Lots of stories. And we're going to solve that this week. What do you think? Let's do it. I mean, who, who doesn't want to know what happened to old Adolf? Well, listen, I think to the, the first thing you want to do is take a step back. The, the Washington Commanders, Brad, your, your favorite team. I mean, you used to be a big Redskins fan. I think your dad had season tickets at one point. Maybe not. Um, have a great player, Jonathan Allen. Do you know Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle for the Washington uh, Commanders now? But here's a little side story. You ready for this? Sure. I, I, I never really was a huge Washington Redskins fan. Didn't hate on them. But as you know, I mean, the, the ancestral home of the Chiefs is Central and Northern California. So we've always been 49ers fans. I don't love the name Commanders. I'm going to go ahead and lay that out there, but it's not my call to make. But Alan happens to be married to the daughter of Krista and I's former next door neighbor. What do you think about that? Oh, that's excellent. So, John, you, so you, you're familiar with Jonathan Allen. I, I am familiar. I have not met him, um, but I am certainly familiar with him. We got to share pictures of the wedding with oh, nice. the boss's parents. Yes, it was very excellent, nice. He seems excellent. like a, he seems like a gentleman, but he's a great man. He seems like a, well, seems like a great. You, you're 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 vouching for him at this point, yeah? Well, I I, I know who uh, he's married to. Okay, but I, so I suspect you're sandbagging me here. Is I'm that what's saying, happening? I, I, first of all, how could I possibly know that you know Jonathan Allen? Well, you couldn't. That's true. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's or fair. could I? Well, but, he was. But I don't know him. So listen, listen, and, and this is a game you and I play often, right? Where people mm-hmm. are asked three guests you'd like to have dinner with. Oh yeah, right? okay, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so your family friend Jonathan Allen was asked on an Instagram live or Twitter live a tweet 
thing, you know, where he had all his fans on what three people he'd like to have uh, dinner with. And he, look, he did great. He said his granddad, which I think you and I would probably both start there. Yep, right. Yep. Yep. Maybe not his granddad, but probably our granddad. But again, yep. you know, I don't know. You know, the family, I don't, have you met his granddad? I am not. You have not, but you're familiar with the family, correct? Yes. Okay. And then he, 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 he said, my granddad, uh, he said, Michael Jackson, the great singer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Hitler. Hmm. And did he follow that up with any sort of, you know, explanatory note as he, to, you know, he, what the conversation would be? He had someone follow up and say, wait a minute, you're saying who you would, who, who would you have dinner with if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive? He said, my granddad, Hitler and Michael Jackson. And then one of the responses came in, two of the three, I understand, but please explain Hitler. And then your friend, Jonathan Allen said, Hitler's a military genius and I love his military tactics. But honestly, I would want to pick his brain about why he did what he did. I'd also like to learn a thing or two about his military acumen. I'm also assuming that the people I've chosen have to answer all my questions honestly. So there you go, Brad. I mean, you know what? You ask him, you ask a guy an honest question, you get an honest answer. Now, my guess is that people have now been, you know, haranguing the poor guy for having been honest in his selection of dinner guests and you know what? Maybe he should have, you know, done a better job of of trying to defend himself. But it is what it is at this point. Maybe he could have picked someone like Genghis Khan or someone maybe a little bit less controversial. Well, presumably you could pick someone less controversial than Hitler. What about Sun Tzu? Sun Tzu would have been a good choice, although there is some debate as to whether Sun Tzu was an, you know, an actual human being or just sort of an amalgamation mm-hmm. of a bunch of, you know, military scholarship. But if Sun Tzu ha- was a real person, and I think there are certainly scholars who believe he was, then he might have been a better choice if you were looking for military acumen other than Adolf Hitler. Frankly, Hitler wasn't a military genius. He, he had a lot of military geniuses working for him, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he wasn't. He was probably better known for you know, less military type things. I, I, but I also don't think that you would get down to the level of whether or not Sun Tzu was a, an actual person uh, on this Twitter exchange. I think you could just basically pick them and move on right there. He's not solving said another way, Brad, he's not solving unsolved mysteries there, right? He's just answering foolish fan questions, but listen, We've and creating it, problems for himself along the way, unfortunately, for Mr. Allen. But. We call it foolish, but then in the same vein, right, in the same vein, Georgia rep Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's that right wing nut that's running around with an AK-47. She is an odd duck, buddy. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an odd duck. She's an odd duck, and she was asked at a press conference the other day, um, <laughs> she was asked at the press conference, the press conference the other day, uh, her thoughts on the January 6th um, uh, riot and the investigation by the House committee on that riot. And again, remember, January 6th was the worst sedition, um, I, I believe, since the War of the Roses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's uh, that's entirely possible. Yeah. And uh, and look, she um, she stood up and she said, pointing to the. Um, uh, the Capitol police, she said, look, these uh, gazpacho police are worse than what Adolf Hitler had in the 1940s. The gazpacho, they're, they're the soup police. Isn't that a soup? 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. It is a, uh, it's a cold soup. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think she met Gestapo, but, uh, um, yeah, maybe she, she just got back from one of our sponsors, had a nice <laughs> lunch, bowl of gazpacho. Couldn't get it right. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know anyone in Marjorie Taylor Greene's family before I go any further with this? I don't, to my knowledge. I mean, you know, we're all only, you know, two, three, four degrees away from everybody else, my friend. You probably know someone in her family. And we're one degree from Kevin Bacon, every one of us. Yeah, there you go. Well, listen, so I think this solves it. I mean, you know, Jonathan Allen, Marjorie Taylor Greene, gazpacho, maybe maybe they're having gazpacho for dinner with Hitler and Mike Jackson. I don't know. Does anyone police the gazpacho on the Hill? I mean, does the gazpacho being consumed by our Congress people being policed? Maybe they lace that with the pot. Maybe they did. I mean, that's that's you know, that's a mystery that you and I should dive into. Maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene is on to something. Maybe gazpacho should be policed. Uh, you know what? I think you're spot on there. I'm going to say he died in the bunker, though. I think it's pretty clear after all this. Yeah, he probably did. I mean, you know, that was sort of the belief at the time. There's obviously some evidence out there that maybe he didn't. He went to Argentina and, you know, lived out his days there. But I, I again, I just having worked for the government for a long time, being familiar with governments in general, everybody can look at the state of our government now. I mean, imagine what it would take if, for Hitler to be living for any period of time in Argentina, that would be known to the government there and for no one to have said anything. Plus, buddy, you know that if there was even the hint of a rumor that Adolf Hitler was still alive and in Argentina or anywhere else for that matter, the Mossad would have left no stone unturned to go get that bastard, right? I mean, so that's the other thing. When people said, hi, ah, you know, we're not, maybe Hitler lived, I, buddy, the Mossad spared no expense, spared no effort in hunting down Nazi war criminals. And if they thought Hitler was around, whew, that would not, I, I just don't think that happened. Uh, next, we uh, move on to your favorite, uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, this week, they have started uh, answering some requests from members of Congress about some of the expenditures in the first full year of the Biden administration. And your good friend, Mark Milley, I believe you also broke bread with him, right? The uh, chairman of the Joint no. Chiefs of Staff? No, we, we've never crossed paths and I don't like him. Just going to come right out and say it. Well, part of his uh, expenditure budget for uh, last year included 5.3 million hours and uh, the cost was 535000 on workshops uh, geared at extremism stand downs for members of the military. 2.46 million service members averaged two hours each for these uh, extremism stand down um, uh, workshops run by uh, Mark Milley and his ilk. And uh, this is uh, happening while we're um, you know, losing Afghanistan about to lose the Ukraine, probably to lose Taiwan at some point. North Korea is lobbing missiles into the Sea of Japan. And uh, Mark Milley is having woke um, PowerPoint uh, uh, sit downs with members of the armed forces. What do you think that's a good use of his time and uh, funds? Nobody already said it. Right? I mean, if you are asking yourself, if you're sitting here and, and you're saying to yourself, hmm, that's a reasonable question here. We on the one hand. We have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff spending over, you know, half a, what would you say it was $535,000 that they spent on this? That seems low. 
If you're going to educate 2.46 million people, that seems low. That's what his letter to uh, members of the Republican caucus said. Okay, well, let's just take him at his word, right? So he spent almost or over half a million bucks, two hours of every military member's time, mm-hmm. right? So you have that on the one hand, okay? And, and you know what? Maybe there was some positive outcome from that. Maybe one or two of those 2.46 million people needed to hear that. And then let's look at the other hand. In the other hand, we are holding Afghanistan, right? We are holding our, our current situation with North Korea. We are holding our current situation with Russia and the Ukraine. And it seems to me that if you're looking at that hand, you're saying, boy, we're really not doing well in the arena where the Department of Defense operates. Well, on the other hand, Biden is reaching out diplomatically, not to Vladimir Putin. He's not sitting at the chump end of the table other than proverbially yet. But he is uh, reaching out and telling Justine Trudeau the premier of Canada, that uh, he can uh, and he should invoke the Emergencies Act, invoke martial law and start cracking down on the uh, Freedom Convoy, which again, Brad, as you know, has shut down Ottawa and is uh, impacting all sorts of trade from Ottawa into the United States. Um, And it looks like uh, in some of the premiers of the um, big provinces, Alberta, Manitoba, Quebec, Saskatchewan have all stood up against Trudeau, but uh, it looks like he is going forward. He's starting to confiscate the bank accounts of uh, some of these truckers and freeze them. Um, He's also called in again by the Mounties, the Mounties. They've arrested now 11 protesters near Ottawa. And, um, you know, they're also taking... Uh, some of the GoFundMe sites down in Canada that were being used to fund this uh, this whole thing. Although I'm not exactly sure how you fund it, right? You just take the truck, you park it, you empty the gas tank, and you just wish them luck. Um, but it's a uh, it, it seems like a big mess. Biden is uh, trying to get Trudeau to shut it down because it's harming trade across the border. Um, but again, I mean, since he's worn blackface multiple times in public, you would think that maybe this is a way to distract from that, or maybe this is just some sort of other uh, issue that he has as a leader, but it seems like Trudeau may be in some trouble. But first and foremost, if you find yourself in a conundrum, and Trudeau has definitely found himself in a conundrum, largely of his own making, but a conundrum nonetheless, and you say to yourself, boy, I could use some advice And Joe Biden happens to give you said advice, then you've got quite an opportunity in front of you, right? Because what you want to do, looking at Biden's performance in the country, which he runs in, and nothing is richer than a guy with poll numbers like Joe Biden offering another nation's leader advice on how to conduct his affairs. But the upside for Trudeau is you know, he, he's holding a compass that's just spinning around in his hand at this point, right? He's looking, he's like, I don't know what to do. I have no direction to go. I've created this problem for myself. I'm admittedly a total jackass. I never should have been elected to this position. I don't know what I'm doing. And now I find myself in this mess. I have no, you know, north. My compass doesn't point anywhere. And then by the grace of God, Joe Biden offers you advice. And all of a sudden, you know where north is. It's in the opposite direction of whatever Joe Biden says. Let me ask you one question, though. And this has been nagging at me throughout this whole discussion. Please. 
what, 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 what do you think Jonathan Allen's grandpa would say? Right. So you plop him down at this table, whether it's the ornate Putin table or whether it's a card table. OK, then you take a look to your left and to your right and you see the biggest mass murderer in world history mm-hmm. and you see Michael Jackson. OK, one of the biggest pedophiles known to man. I mean, th- does that at least call into question his grandkids um, ability to choose dinner guests and his judgment, or does he just sit there and eat the Italian meal from Stockton, Brad? No, he throws hands. He takes Hitler first. That's a no brainer. You beat the tarnation out of Adolf Hitler. You give Michael Jackson a hard look. He faints, right? And that's exactly what's going to happen there. Then you grab your grandson by the ear and you drag him out of that, yeah, you, you drag him out of that restaurant yeah. and you give him a stern talking to you. You may even take him over your knee. Pro Bowl, no Pro Bowl, I don't care. You may take him over your knee, cut yourself a switch and beat a tattoo on that rear end. Old school, my friend, yeah. old school. And then you say, you look at him, you look at him, you tell him, look, you dry those eyes. You, ah! yeah. you dry those eyes. You listen to me. <laughs> I raised you better than that. Yeah. I raised you better than that. Now you go home to your fine wife and you square yourself away. That's what and, I'm gonna, and I'm going to finish this damn fine turkey Tedraziti alone. There you go. That's what you do. That's exactly how that plays out. Uh, you can find out all you want to know about our show on our website, IPFrequently.com. And you can uh, learn more about us and follow us on the Instagram at IP underscore frequently. Also, we encourage you to go and rate and review our podcast wherever you uh, download your uh, your podcast from. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And again, if anyone has any questions for Brad, they can uh, submit them through the website. Brad is here to answer them. And, and Brad, we're thinking about going back to uh, doing some more um, interactivity with the uh, the old audience here in the coming weeks. What do you think about that? Exciting? I love it. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely. Every time we get to interface with our studio audience, I'm made smarter. I'm made better. I enjoy the show more. We should do that as often as we can. Well, speaking of exciting, Brad, um, as you know, and, and, and anyone that uh, watches the, the ESPN, this is the big week. Ivy League Women's Swim Championships. Very exciting. Um, as you know, this year, the Ivy League has uh, been bolstered. They've seen its women's swim teams bolstered by the likes of uh, Leah Thomas, who is a um, transitioning female uh, representing um, uh, University of Pennsylvania and Isaac Hennig, who uh, uh, Isaac, uh, I guess a young lady that swims for um, Yale Uh, this year, some, you know, obviously some big uh, events. Uh, Both of them won various competitions in the Ivy league championships. And then Leah Thomas uh, shut out Isaac in the 500 yard freestyle that's a win uh in addition uh leah thomas won the uh, 200 meter swim another win um second was isaac in both of those races and i believe isaac has won a couple of the races as well so a pretty good um showing for the um transitioning females in the ivy league swim championships brad next of course will be the ncaa's i mean who hasn't sat down uh with a bucket of popcorn and a a coca-cola and watched the women's swim championships and these two young men women um give you a lot to lot to look at well that they do my friend i mean there's all kinds of components and parts there that you don't normally see in a woman's sporting event and uh, that's always nice 
And again, if you want to live your life trying to make yourself into a gender into which you were not born, that is a decision that you get to make. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think that there's anyone who would say at this point in time, you're not allowed to do that. But the line that I don't understand crossing, right? I'm not sure how we got here is when an individual decides I am going to live my life this way and then subsequently demands that every other individual bow the knee to that decision and be forced to live with it, however unfair or inequitable that may be, that's the line that I don't understand. I I don't understand why universities are taking the position that all of the biological females who from the time they were six years old were going to the pool at 4 a.m. with their parents, because that's the only time they, they could get swim time, and training and training and dedicating themselves and doing everything necessary to be able to compete fairly at the highest levels of their sport, why all of that should just be thrown in the garbage so that an individual on a given team can live out their dream of being a different gender. I, I, I don't get that. Hey, if you're a former dude, you want to dress up like a girl, transition to being a girl, have the surgery, take the drug, whatever it is you want to do. Hey, you got your life to live, you live it. I don't understand why everybody else has to kowtow to that person's choice. How did we get there? Well, it's sort of like, remember the old days, the pro wrestling. And so you'd have this guy in the ring. Like remember Joey Morella, Joey Morella would be in the ring and he'd be oiled up. He'd be ready. Like that guy's in good shape. You know, he's got a chance. And then they'd announce, you know, and his opponent, six foot 10 weighing 500 pounds, big John stud. And then the next thing, you know, Joey Morella's head is being driven into the mat in a pile driver, blood everywhere. He's not moving very little opportunity for Joey Morella. And and what I always do is I say, look, who is the best person to comment on something like this? Right. Because it's not you or I, we haven't transitioned. We don't know. That's true. We simply don't know. Um, So Caitlyn Jenner, right. Who as Bruce Jenner won the 1976 decathlon and Brad was on a box of Wheaties probably for the first decade of our lives. Caitlyn Jenner had this to say biological boys should not be playing in women's sports. We need to protect women's sports. Leah Thomas is not good for women's sports. It's unfortunate this is happening. I don't know why she's doing it. She knows when she's swimming, she's beating the competition by two or three laps. She was born a biological boy. She was raised as a biological boy. Her cardiovascular system is bigger. Her respiratory system is bigger. Her hands are bigger. She can swim faster. That's a fact. All of this is woke world that we're living in right now. And a woke world is not working. I feel sorry for the other athletes that are out there, especially at Penn or anyone she's competing against, because in the woke world, you have to say, oh, my gosh, this is great. And actually, no, it's not great. So there, Brad, Caitlyn Jenner, spot on. Yeah, no. And and again, obviously, you and I do not always agree with Caitlyn Jenner, but we certainly agree with that. And, And she is if anyone has the bona fides to comment on it in this, you know, somewhat unusual set of circumstances in which we're in, it would be 
Caitlyn Jenner. Right? There's yeah. a person who indisputably knows competition at the highest level, who indisputably knows the decisions that go into transitioning and, you know, the, the, I, I don't know, difficulties or struggles that one goes through with that, as I imagine there probably are at least some in making that kind of a dramatic transition. Um, but Caitlyn Jenner is spot on. I mean, and again, if we're going to do this, if we're going to be a culture that advocates for and, uh, you know, sort of lends credibility to this idea of choosing to be a different gender, which again is everybody gets their life to live, right? So you live it the way you want to live it. If we're going to sponsor that as a culture, then fine, create transitioning athlete, whatever you want to call it, transgender, just create a category for those athletes to compete in, right? I mean, that does two things that at least certainly returns equity to women's sports. And I guess we've forgotten, you know, the, the seventies, the sixties, the seventies, even into the eighties with title nine and all the struggle that went into creating women's sports. I have daughters, you have a daughter, they all play sports. We are advocates for that. Love to see them be able to go out and enjoy that and learn all the lessons that one can learn from competition and from sport. You and I are huge fans. And I, I guess we've just forgotten all that. I guess all of that takes a back seat to a, an individual making the decision that they're going to suddenly declare themselves to no longer be a boy. And now they're a girl just because they said it and they want to compete in girls sports that's crazy so i mean one it would return equity to athletics and two i think it would truly make a parent who is serious about this transition and who is just taking advantage of rules no one can defend so that they can somehow stroke their damaged ego and say well i went from being 496th in the men's category of the sport to being number one in the women's category and somehow feel better, better about themselves, right? If you had those folks have their own league or conference or division or whatever it would be, then I think we would find out who's really committed to this transition and is doing it for, you know, I guess, honest purposes, as opposed to those who are simply looking for a ticket into trophies they don't deserve. Uh, well, anyway, Brad, we'll leave this. We'll continue to monitor the um, Ivy League tournament, but very exciting things happening in that respect. Indeed. Next, Brad, Barter Band. We're going to try something we haven't tried before. Oh, boy. Okay? All right. So Barter Band, this week we have been asked by the folks downtown to do three different Barter Bands in the span of one segment because oh. there are so many important things going on. Um, they've asked us to do that. And so listen. I'm going to need a sports drink. We're going to do three of them. I'm going to need to keep my electrolytes balanced. I would, I would highly recommend that. Maybe everyone could take a breath right now. Um, you know, at least for the time being, the queen is doing well. So we have that. Um, but yeah, I think everyone should, uh, should get ready, take a breath and let's go. Barter band, bronze Stevie, three items. I'll go through each one and then we'll take them at one time. How about All right, that? Buddy. Let's do it. First, avocados, Brad, they're being sold like gold in the U.S. because there is an import uh, ban in place and uh, a lot of uh, hesitancy with the way the U.S. reacted to the, um, you know, what's going on in the uh, 
in the Ukraine, but not with respect to avocados because there was some nefarious um, uh, threats made by organized crime in the Michoacan region of Mexico. As you know, that is the biggest avocado producing region in, in Mexico. So the U.S. Mm-hmm. put a ban on the import of Mexican avocados into the U.S. Now, Brad, domestic avocados are fine. So avocados barter ban next. Yogi Bear, there is a 500-pound black bear who has been wreaking havoc in Lake Tahoe. The bear has caused over 150 calls to law enforcement. He has knocked over about 20 trash cans. And this bear has been uh, linked to property damage at 38 different uh, properties. Um, The officials are looking to ban the bear uh, from the Lake Tahoe area Um, by, I I assume, killing him. And then finally, Brad, bullfighting. Um, The final bullfights in Mexico City may be taking place after 500 years. Um, The Mexican Animal Welfare Commission um, gave approval to a law banning public events, quote, at which any animals die as a result of mistreatment. I suppose that opens up a lot of interpretation as to what mistreatment is. Um, but the Mexicans are looking to ban bullfighting, which would obviously put an end to your and my annual trip to Mexico City. Um, so you got three things on the table here, Brad. You've got uh, two of them coming from Mexico, avocados, bullfighting. You've got the Yogi Bear, the 500-pound bear, who I assume would not be um, uh, governed by that Mexican law. Um, uh, so how would you, going into this, I know you're an analytical person. How do you approach this? I think the easiest and cleanest way to do it is just to take it in the numerical order in which you've presented it, right? So let's start with avocados. I don't think that banning Mexican avocados is probably hitting the pocketbook of drug lords, Right. So this is a classic government action. Right. So you say, well, okay, what do we legally import from folks who are probably busting their ass to get avocados to grow and then find a market in which to sell them? And you punish those people because they just keep their heads down in their streets and try not to look around for fear of being killed by drug gangs. And you punish them. That seems like a bad idea. I don't know how to address the bear because I don't know why the bear isn't sound asleep. So I'm not, first of all, I think you probably need to give the bear some NyQuil or something along those lines and then tuck it comfortably in its cave and it will not be knocking over garbage cans or wrecking property. And then you can decide what to do with it in the spring, right? But Yogi Bear is an institution in this country. He wears a hat, he wears a tie. He's a civilized individual. He should be napping. I suggest we go that route. Let him nap. Maybe when he wakes up, he's less grumpy. Right? I mean, I would be knocking over garbage cans too if I was supposed to be sound asleep and wasn't. And then the last thing is bullfighting. This is a subject, buddy, about which I know very little. I've never understood bullfighting. I don't know how it works. I mean, I, I know there's a guy out there who is trying to avoid being gored by the bull, what actually does happen to these bulls? Do they do they kill them in the ring? Is that part of bullfighting? Or once you know they sort of lose their their ability to raise their head and they can't look at the matador and they just I, I don't know what they do. Maybe they just lie down in the middle of the ring and go, well, this is nonsense. I quit. And then the next thing you got to ask yourself is what happens to most cattle on the planet, right? I mean, my guess is 
that most of them do not retire to a penthouse and enjoy their autumnal years. I, I think most of them are slaughtered and, you know, used for various purposes. So I, I guess this is once again, you know, something that makes a ton of sense if you don't think about it, but what is the destiny of this creature to begin with? Well, look, there are a lot of unknowns here. I mean, there are, there is a pro bear activist group, the bear league that's been working with wildlife officials to try and get Yogi to a safe new home. But the problem is he's 500 pounds and he's vicious. So that's going to be a difficult um, bridge to cross, my friend. Uh, With respect to the avocados, I agree. Cut a deal with the drug lords and then get the avocados in here. Guac is always good. And then on the bullfight, listen, I don't know. I mean, I know you and I spend a week there in Mexico City every year. Eating avocados primarily. Eating avocados, which are delicious and uh you know kicking back and enjoying ourselves i'm gonna go i'm gonna do, do bard i'm gonna say band and i'm gonna say baird for yogi bear well that's good again i think if the bear gets some sleep he'll be fine and in fact i recommend that for all of our listeners get on a good schedule get some exercise get some food be sure to include avocados you may have to avoid the bullfights going forward, but one thing you don't have to avoid, my friends, is IP frequently because we will be back here at exactly this time next week and we'll tackle that week then on IP frequently. This has been IP frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>